This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's just heartburn or a panic attack. A familiar refrain from doctors who are misdiagnosing women suffering from heart disease at a shocking rate. We hear about a new study that blames gender bias in health care. Plus, gardening can play a huge role in healthy aging. And with thoughts soon turning to spring, we'll preview a new Vision TV series that celebrates gardens and the gardeners behind them. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Low or fixed income Canadians will be able to file their tax returns by phone this year. Under a new service called File My Return, almost a million people whose incomes don't change from year to year can file their returns by answering a series of questions over the phone without having to do any paperwork or calculations. The CRA says the changes make the system easier and encourage more people to file. Eligible Canadians will start receiving personalized letters mid-February. This week's wild ride on the markets drew scores of older Chinese investors to countless public trading rooms at Chinese brokerages. China's silver-haired investors are said to account for the lion's share of stock turnover there. And according to the Shanghai Times, pensioners gathered this week, frowning at electric price boards and chattering tensely as markets tumbled. While many younger investors trade via mobile phone, Older ones tend to punch in their orders on boxy 1980s-style computer terminals at traditional brokerages. As one woman told the paper, We were heartbroken Tuesday. Our hearts can't stand this. There's growing concern in the U.S. that if immigrants are forced out under Trump administration policies, care for the elderly will suffer. Nursing homes draw heavily on immigrants for employees. A human resources director at a Brooklyn nursing home recently looked to hire 25 new nursing assistants. She's normally flooded with applications, this time just five applied. The nursing home currently employs 25 Haitian nursing assistants whose temporary protected status was terminated in November. Other staffers brought to the U.S. as children, now DACA recipients, also remain in limbo. A group of North Carolina women is working to make sure elderly residents feel loved on Valentine's Day. It has set up trees in the county and covered them in hearts, listing items elderly people in the community need. Doctors and hospice staff gave 194 names of older people needing the items to get through the winter season. They will be put into baskets and delivered on Valentine's Day. There's a new exhibit on aging at Singapore's Science Centre and the tour guides are seniors. 
Dialogue with Time invites visitors of all ages to learn about aging and overcome age-related stereotypes through interactive activities. In one, visitors try walking up and down steps with weights fastened around their ankles. At another, visitors use a handheld device to play a game to test their hand-eye coordination. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. February is Heart and Stroke Month. Did you know a woman dies of heart disease in Canada every 20 minutes? And early signs of heart attack in women are missed 78% of the time. These shocking stats are outlined in a new report that blames gender inequalities in healthcare. Professor Sherry Grace is the author. The leading cause of premature death in Canadian women is heart disease, and we're doing poorly at, at all of these levels. Why is that? So I think women ourselves, we fall victim to the fact and the misconception that heart disease is a man's disease. But not only do we do that, I think healthcare providers have some unconscious bias as well, and we need to train them on how to identify and, and to be on the lookout for heart disease in women and think heart disease when we see women presenting. And I think that there's just differences in women's hearts and in the way heart disease manifests itself somewhat. And because of that, you know, some of our um, tests to diagnose it are a bit less sensitive in women than they are in men. So we need to do some different um, tests and some research on different ways to test and identify heart disease among women. Now, when it comes to an actual heart attack, the symptoms for women are different. Yeah, they are. So I would say that women still have the typical classic chest pain that you often associate with heart disease that, you know, men would experience. But on top of that, women often have other symptoms as well that are more diffuse. And I think that's what sometimes confuses them. And then, you know, they don't think that there's something wrong with their heart. So for example, women might have indigestion along with their chest pain. They might feel lightheaded, nauseated. Um, They might sweat. Um, Sometimes the pain might radiate into their jaw or down their arm and then you know they don't think heart disease and they don't uh, seek help and call 911 to uh, get help right away. The symptoms for AFib or after AFib are about the same as the ones for heart attack correct? Um, yeah I think it's more like that you might feel kind of some palpitations and a regular heartbeat you might feel that a little bit and um, so you know if you're ever feeling symptoms that are heart related you should get to medical attention uh, right away. We say time is muscle. So if you are not having oxygenated blood serving your heart muscle, it cannot pump and you're not going to get circulation to your body and your heart muscle can also die so that the pumping function of your heart is permanently damaged. So please always err on the side of caution and uh, seek medical care immediately. Can you have a situation where you have a heart attack and don't know it and it just passes? Yeah, so those are called silent infarcts. So sometimes with women, um, the disease, it's true, is kind of uh, in the smaller vessels that branch off the large ones. So the vessels that serve your heart muscle with oxygenated blood to support it in pumping. In men, we often find the disease is in those larger vessels. And for women, it can be in the ones that branch off. And so I think if we're having the disease in those smaller vessels, we might not have the same symptoms and there can be damage to the heart and, and we don't know it. 
women kind of are treated less aggressively than men. So say we do have heart disease, women are less likely to be treated by a specialist than men are. We're less likely to be on the recommended medications or drugs. Um, and they really, really make a difference. These medications are very effective. We also know that women are less likely to get these revascularization procedures. So getting a stent put in or getting a bypass surgery. And when they do, we might be at more risk of complications. So we might have more bleeding complications or we might, um, we have smaller vessels that we just don't tend to do as well with them. And then we also are less likely to get to cardiac rehab and that's really important. So this is what happens, you know, after you leave the hospital and you're living with heart disease and in these programs, we really support women and men to learn about their new medications and to learn to integrate heart healthy behaviors into their lifestyle to support um, your mental health and your recovery and your stress management. And women are just not coming through the doors and they're not adhering to these programs to the same degree as men are. Often with women, we're very busy with multiple roles and we are caring for others and we don't take the time to care for our own health. So, you know, some of the women we might hear, they say, I can't come. Your sessions are in the morning. You know, I take my grandchildren to school during that time. And, you know, while as a mom, we're very grateful for grandparents to help, we need our grandparents to be around and they need to be prioritizing their own health and getting to cardiac rehab. And women still are um, more likely to think that they're going to die of, of breast cancer, but unfortunately, it's five times more likely that they will die of heart disease. So I think we need to keep having people like you getting the message out and making sure women are aware. We know women are, you know, still having a higher burden of some risk factors for heart disease than men, so they're less physically active. We also know women have more depression than men, and depression is quite now implicated in heart disease. Now there are policies that women must be included in all studies, and there's actually policies that we report outcomes separately in women and men. So this is in Canada and in funding agencies in other countries as well. So I think going forward, we're going to start seeing and having a lot more knowledge about heart disease in women, how different treatments impact them, you know, how we can do a better job at screening and identifying heart disease. And this will translate into better outcomes for women and better care at the bedside and down the road. Professor Sherry Grace, thanks for that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. That was York University professor Sherry Grace, author of a new study on heart disease and women. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a look at Ageless Gardens, a new series that celebrates gardens and the gardeners who make them. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. had this theory that gardeners um, tend to live longer and are healthier, mainly because they're around plants that supply so much. Your brain is operating on a completely different level when it's in nature. You become part of something. It's just impossible that you can go into a garden and not feel better. That's Canada's best-known gardener, Marjorie Harris, in a clip from Ageless Gardens, a new five-part documentary series that begins tomorrow night on Vision TV. At 80, she is still working in the garden, showing us an example of how to keep following this passion despite physical limitations. Gardening can motivate, eliminate stress, and keep our minds sharp. I spoke with Zoomer Radio's garden expert, Charlie Dobbin. 
I think everybody loves gardening, but I think we tend to have a little more time to garden when we're a little older. We're not as caught up with our work, our business, our children. We might have scaled down a tiny bit so we don't have the big house, we don't have to mow lawns. Getting into the dirt is something that I think if you've ever loved doing it, you just love it even more the older you get. So in the first episode, we see uh, Marjorie Harris, who is a very famous gardener, and she actually attributes her longevity to gardening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's not the only one. There's actually science to show that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, we've always said, we always joked, my garden is my happy place. You know, I feel so good when I'm in my garden. I feel so energized when I come out of the garden. But now there's actually science. So we've got everything from forest bathing. We've got ecotherapy being actually prescribed as, a men- as mental health uh, support for mental health issues um, as opposed to drugs. We also know that there's actual chemistry in the soil that works on our brain. We inhale the dust as we're digging around and we absorb through the pores of our skin. And before you know it, you're feeling pretty, pretty good. (laughs) It's all connected to actual bacteria in the soil that makes us feel better. I know in terms of studies on stress, I say that going for a walk in a park or a garden is excellent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mindfulness is a very big trend right now. And of course, as you suggest, walking in a park, walking in a forest, you can't get more mindful than that. You got to remember most of the drugs that we now make in the, you know, in the laboratory and synthesize came from natural sources, right? I mean, think of aspirin, right? Aspirin came from willow trees, you know, think of digitalis. It comes from a plant called digitalis. (laughs) So these are all really naturally occurring chemicals that over the tens of thousands of years, it was discovered had healing properties, whether it was, you know, the gout or dandruff or, or a headache, you know, or a sore chest, bad cough. So we've learned a lot. And of course, people continue to use, you know, lovely teas for different reasons, calming teas, stomach ache, you know, sort out your sore throat teas. I'm a big fan of lavender oil. What about this whole trend of growing food or actually foraging for food. I have driven by parks in my neighborhood where I see early in the spring various people with bags and, you know, screwdrivers out there digging up the dandelions in the park, taking them home to make green, you know, salad greens with the dandelion leaves when they're young. Um, you can do all kinds of wonderful things with the yellow flowers of dandelions, make wine, make honey. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is free food. Why not? You are in the episode on Gardens Grow Community, and of course your radio show is a community. How does that work, and how is that a healthy thing? Well, I mean, like I've often said, gardeners are really big on sharing. And so, of course, on the radio show, we have fun. Like, it's all about, like, let's have fun. Let's talk about gardening. Let's um, solve problems. Let's share tips. Let's, you know, share information. And so, yes, we do, we do find that there's often first-time callers, but then there's, you know, regular callers who call back and give us updates every couple of months on plants. So it is fun. And it, it is, there's the competitive nature of gardening, but then there's also the, the sharing natures. Yeah, no, community gardens can be very, particularly if they're well organized. I mean, obviously, a, a good community garden needs certain things like access to water, access to tools, um, you know, a fence to make sure that it's safe from marauding deer or raccoons or anybody who might want to come in and make a mess of things. But, you know, many of them are very successful and people, there's waiting lists for people who want to get a little plot. And, uh, you know, there was one very interesting aspect in this show and it showed that you know, a lot of people 
think, okay, I'm older, I have limited mobility, I cannot garden anymore, but that you can adapt. We saw Marjorie Harris, uh, and I'm not exactly sure how old she is. She says, I can't kneel anymore, but I can sit. And uh, whatever physical exercise you can get in there is good. That's right. And you can bring the garden to you. We don't have to keep our gardens right down in the ground. We can raise them up. Or if we don't want to get that fancy in terms of a big construction job of a raised garden, we can garden in containers that, again, are, are up off the ground. Um, so there are many ways to bring the garden to us as our ability to go down to ground level lessons. And it does for all of us over time eventually. But there's also pretty cool tools out there. You know, kneeling stools and, and, you know, rubber things and ways to, to help yourself get up once you're in that kneeling position. You know, proper, solid, balancing. And, and, you know, one of the big things is make sure you've got lots of seating in the garden. Chairs, benches, shade. Sit, sit, relax, relax, rest. Don't ever feel like it is a competition. You know, get out there for the fresh air and do what you can and get the tools that will help you be able to do it. Okay. Charlie Dobbin, thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. That was Charlie Dobbin, host of Zoomer Radio's The Garden Show. Ageless Gardens premieres Monday at 9 p.m. on our sister station, Vision TV, and will run every Monday at the same time through March the 12th. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, we celebrate the 76th birthday of a fabulous musician who inspired a musical about her life. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Mozart's Don Giovanni is now being staged at the Tel Aviv Performing Arts Center. It's a London Royal Opera House, Israel Opera co-production playing until February 23rd. Underway now, the 19th edition of Art Rotterdam, which forms the center of Art Rotterdam Week, the annual festival of contemporary art, design and architecture. They'll be partying in New Orleans on the final few days of Carnival before the arrival of Mardi Gras on February the 13th. And while New Orleans is the best-known Mardi Gras in North America, the day is actually celebrated from the Cayman Islands to Sweden. And in Los Angeles, after a three-year renovation, the Randall Museum, a science, nature, and art center with free admission, has reopened. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Carol King celebrated her 76th birthday this week. Her incredible career as a composer, singer, and songwriter has been turned into a smash Broadway hit, Beautiful, the Carol King Musical. Carol and her first husband, Jerry Goffin, co-wrote some of the biggest hits of the 60s, like Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, Take Good Care of My Baby, and The Locomotion. After the couple divorced, Carol began her transition from a behind-the-scenes writer to singing on stage. Her 1971 album Tapestry made her a star. It won Album of the Year at the Grammys, has sold over 25 million copies, and taken the 36th spot on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. From that album, here is I Feel the Earth Move. I feel the earth move. 
That was Carol King with I Feel the Earth Move from her 1971 album Tapestry. This week, King celebrated her 76th birthday. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.